Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Toure and Derek Wong. Tonight we are talking about the 30th Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Holy <laughs> fuck, why do you have to say it like that? Can you believe that? There's been 30 of these things. That's insane. Since 2008's Iron Man. So tonight we're talking about Ryan Coogler's sequel to 2018's Black Panther, titled Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I'm not going to lie, it feels kind of nice to talk about cape shit again. We've done a bunch of uh, <laughs> award stuff recently, although like Black Adam was only like three or four weeks ago. But still, it's nice to talk about this one just because of the circumstances around it and just how hyped everyone is about it. I'm excited to talk about this one. When did you guys see it? Uh, I saw it this weekend, uh, Sunday morning. Same. Saw it over the weekend. Full theaters? No. Nah, not full. Mine was like a matinee. It was like a 10 a.m. showing or something. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is the follow-up to 2018's Black Panther, and sadly, one without its star, Chadwick Boseman, who passed away in 2020, and some pretty big uh, production woes with this one. As I recall, the script was actually completely written mm -hmm. before Chadwick Boseman passed away. And since he kept his diagnosis of colon cancer a secret, they had to scrap everything and rewrite the entire movie. So the whole cast had to rally around the new script. And there were also other production woes, too. Letitia Wright had this whole anti-vax thing where she wasn't vaccinated. There were injuries on set. To say that I was a little worried about this movie is kind of an understatement, <laughs> but I think the worries kind of lay themselves when uh, the trailer came out, because I think the trailer is like one of the best trailers I've ever seen for a Marvel movie, or like really any like big blockbuster, just with the song remix and like the editing and how it was cut together, they really knocked that trailer out of the park. I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, it's specifically the music of the trailer that just makes it so yeah. good. Before we get into this one, remind me, guys, what did you guys think of the original Black Panther? I'll let the black person go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you damn well better. I'm editing your asses out of this episode. This is a solo episode. <laughs> solo <laughs> episode. <laughs> I liked it. I kind of cooled on it over time. Felt a little less good about it. But there are still parts of it I really, really enjoy. Probably not too much of a spoiler to say, revisiting it in light of this second one, I do think there's a lot of good in the first one. Black Panther 1 is not like the tip top of the MCU movies, mm -hmm. but it's a solid one. I'd say it's probably in that like top 
quarter or top third. You know? Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Like strong, but not amazing. Okay. That's fair. I mean, I think I'm in a similar boat as you. I really loved it when it first came out, and my opinion on it has cooled a little as well, but I still think it's pretty top-tier MCU. I don't think there's that many that are, like, head and shoulders above it. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, the cultural specificity of it and, like, Chadwick Boseman's performance and the villain, Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger, they're all fantastic. Probably the mm-hmm. best villain in the MCU, question mark? Definitely one like, of them, yeah. I don't, yeah. Definitely one of them. I'm struggling he's to find incredible. I don't know if there is a better one. Yeah. I really don't know if there's a better villain. He's yeah. uh, he's incredible. I mean, we should say antagonist, probably. Yeah, so I think the quibbles that I have with it are probably the same as yours, Amir. It's the final act of the movie. Yeah. Um, but it's really just that one fight, the vibranium mine fight, that's yeah. really yeah. fucking yeah. Really bad. bad. It's one of the worst in the MCU, but, like, I don't know, like... There's only so much you can ding a movie for one CGI fight that doesn't even last that long. And there's a bunch of other weightless shit in other MCU movies, too. And, like, I don't think that detracts from, like, the thematic weight of the movie and, like, just how good it is, like, yeah, there's, uh, otherwise. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, there's so much good. I, like I said, I, I didn't rewatch it, but I was going through some of my favorite stuff from the first one. And there's a lot there that just yeah. kicks so much ass. The duels for kingship are both awesome. Like, the structure of the movie, the way they set up the duels, so T'Challa wins the first one, to lose the second one. Like, it does such a great job of introducing all of this new, interesting culture, and, like, still making everything interesting and exciting. Yeah, the the villain is probably the best of the MCU. It's got so much good going for it. Are you changing your mind? You don't think it's... (laughs) Not top tier anymore? Yeah, I think you kind of did change my mind on that, actually. Just, like, hearing you talk about it and thinking about it, it's like, yeah, like, what really is better than this? Like, yeah, okay, if you like Iron Man 1 a lot, I guess maybe the the villain, and that's nowhere near as good. The final fight's not really very good either, but Mm -hmm. maybe you have a soft spot for Iron Man 1. Fine. Yeah. I don't think anyone's taking maybe Avengers, if people really like that first Avengers movie. Yeah. Right? Maybe the Avengers movie. Yeah, because Loki's a pretty good villain, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but like with the first Black Panther, even the bullshit surrounding the Vibranium mime fight isn't that bad. The battle for the weapons that Killmonger's launching from Wakanda, mm-hmm. it's not that bad. The CGI looks okay. There's like the giant beasts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's better than the Vibranium mime fight yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just the part in the actual mime. It's the actual part in the mime that's so bad. Yeah. But yeah, so my thoughts pretty much align with you guys. I might like it the most. I don't think I've soured on it. It's always been one of my favorite MCU movies. Mm-hmm. I think Chadwick Boseman as the Black Panther is just amazing. It's like a lot of people talk about like Chris Evans as Captain America and then, you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, you know, like being pivotal actors for their roles. But I think, you know, Chadwick Boseman is up there with those guys, right? It's this like, is as good a fit of role to character. Yeah, yeah I, I completely mm. agree with you. That's a great point. Chadwick Boseman's great in this. And I agree with you guys. I think Killmonger is one of the best villains. And on top of what you guys are saying, like, I think the world building of Wakanda is really great. Yeah. With the use of the different cultures within Wakanda that we saw, the use of color and just like the world they build, how they build Wakanda, I thought was really great. And then I think it actually has one of the, you know, we talk a lot about Marvel action. I do actually think it has one of the better action scenes that I remember from Marvel movies, which is that casino fight, which is like a one take fight that they do in the casino. I thought that oh, was yeah. really good. Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah, about the casino that. Fight's That's fun. a good one. And both the duels are great. Both the duels, yeah, are, both both the duels, duels are, great. are excellent. I mean, except for the train scene, I think generally like, I do like the action in that movie. So there's a lot to praise about that movie. So coming into this one, I was a little like, oh, man. Worried. They had a lot to live up to, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think you guys both kind of flipped me on this. I think this is a top-tier <laughs> Marvel movie. Like, I, I know I'm contradicting myself, but so what? I contradict myself. Yeah. For the literature fans. It's there. our show. We can do what we want. Yeah, we can do what we want. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely one of the top-tier Marvel movies. Before we go on with anything else, is it a hot take to say that I kind of like Chadwick Boseman better in Civil War than his own movie? No. Uh, no. No. I agree with you. Yeah. It might be, like, received wisdom. I, I think it's something that people are saying at this point. Yeah. Is it? Okay. 
Okay, okay. Definitely heard it before. Not to say that he's not good in Black Panther, but dude, his introduction in Civil War is like a great character introduction when we first see him like hunting down the Winter Soldier. That fight is great. Just his gravitas in that movie, just being this, I don't know, almost Terminator-like character in that movie was also really great. Yeah, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the one big parallel from T'Challa to Shuri in Wakanda Forever is not from Black Panther, it's from Civil War, right? The line that she says mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. I won't say what it is yet, but you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just think his arc in Civil War is better, and like I think he is kind of overshadowed by the strength of the villain in uh, Michael Yeah, it's B. a very Batman-Joker thing, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, 100%. All right, well, do we want to dive a little bit into what we thought about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever? Yeah. Yeah, I'll start again. Um, oh, so yeah, let's let Amir start again. <laughs> let me lead off. You guys can follow my trail. So, I liked it. I think revisiting the first one made me feel a little bit differently about this one in that I think it's I think this one sort of fails as, like, a fun action comic book movie, Mm -hmm. but it still might be a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Might be. Okay. But I think I put this, like, in a – like, a step or a half step below that uh, that first Black Panther movie. Okay. What did you guys think? I think without comparing the two, I think Ryan Coogler pulled this one out of the fire (laughs) just – because of uh, the degree of difficulty on Points it. Points for I degree think. of difficulty, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think it's probably the best out of phase four. I know I gave it a B plus and uh, the only other B plus I gave was Shang-Chi. And I think I like this more than Shang-Chi, actually. Okay. There's more stuff to like in this one. This is probably better than Shang-Chi. Yes, I would a hundred percent agree. I think the performances are great. Just there's nothing like pulling from the real life grief of these actors who are clearly grieving over Chadwick Boseman. And it's a beautiful tribute to the late actor. At the same time, I feel like it's also a little gross to splash that all over a big screen. It's as tasteful as you can do a non-tasteful thing. Like, (laughs) it's a very respectful defilement of his corpse, if that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to talk about it, like Disney loves, like, de-aging and reviving dead people and, like, doing all that gross shit with CGI. And they did none of that in this, which I really, really appreciate. And Letitia Wright and Angela Bassett are fantastic in this. Uh, Tenoch Horta is really good in this as Namor. I think it's missing the charismatic center, obviously, that Chadwick Boseman was. I think they want Letitia Wright's Shuri to step up and be the new center of the Black Panther franchise. And I don't think it quite works. I think it's a bunch of supporting actors coming together and there's just something missing in the middle there, but it's pretty good. And I think there are definitely things that I really don't like about it, but definitely things I can overlook because overall, I think it's pretty strong. What about you, Derek? So, okay. I'll start by talking a little bit about phase four overall. I feel like a lot of people have started to really sour on Marvel a little bit because of Phase 4. Like, I I feel like there is no huge standout. Like, most phases have at least one or two, like, really standout movies that it seems Mm -hmm. like everyone loves and really can kind of get behind each phase. I feel like we haven't gotten that movie in this phase. And I think every movie, except for a couple, I felt like I really had a lot of fun with. I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with you guys. I think... Before this, Shang-Chi was the best. Like, that was probably my favorite. And after watching this movie, I have to say that this is kind of just falls in with another Phase 4 movie. I think there are elements that I really, really like about this movie. And I agree with you guys. I think the handling of, you know, the death of Chadwick Boseman is done really well in this movie. And that's one thing I can really admire about it. But you guys say you like this better than Shang-Chi. I think I still like Shang-Chi better than this. Because I think, one, the action is better in Shang-Chi. And I know it has that really bad third act problem with the giant dragon, like which is problematic. But like I still think about like the, the bus fight, which I thought was really great. The scaffolding fight in Macau, I thought was really fun. Those are like standout action sequences when I think about Phase 4. I haven't really 
had time to process fully, but I still think Tony Lung is the MVP of Phase Four for me. Like I think his really his Wen Wu is like still my favorite villain of he's Phase pretty 4. good. So when you kind of stack those things up, I still like Shang Chi more. And then I think you guys are right in saying that it's really sad to say this, uh, like Letitia Wright as Shuri just doesn't hold the same kind of gravitas as Chadwick Boseman as as Black Panther, and maybe. I shouldn't have that expectation, but she is essentially taking over the mantle of Black Panther, right? Mm -hmm. But I totally agree with you guys. I think Angela Bassett is really great. You know, I think some of the stuff with the Dora Milaje is questionable. There's some B-plots in here I really didn't like. I think I really want to get into in spoilers. It's like some of those things that I think weigh it down for me. I agree with you on Letitia Wright not really being able to kind of hold the weight of the film on her Mm -hmm. own. And... Part of that is like, okay, the movie's about not being able to live up to the legacy of a predecessor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's not trying to be a movie about the same thing because it's talking about grief and it's like, it's, it's not doing the same thing. So in a way, maybe some of that is intentional. The fact that she's not the charismatic center maybe is part of what the movie is trying to do. By design. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, by design. But I do agree you feel that lack there. And I will say that I think the first movie at the end sets up this idea of where the second one could have went with what does it mean to be this nation that has like this tremendous resource that now is opening up to the world. And I think I was expecting maybe a more deeper dive into that. And I think they kind of try to get into that a little bit, especially in the beginning with that, you know, getting a little bit spoiled that UN scene. But mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to avoid the Chadwick Boseman of it all and like having that be a really pivotal part of the story and being a part of Letitia Wright's Sherry character that for better or worse kind of also weighs down this movie. Mm-hmm. You can't develop other things because then you, you cannot not focus on that, right? The death of the actor, but also the death of this character. Yeah. I mean, for sure, this movie's overstuffed. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's just way too much going on. And you can definitely tell where the seams are where, you know, they had something written for Chadwick Boseman and they had to repurpose that for all the other characters to split the tension over. And there's also stuff in it where, like, I think this is one of the movies that didn't need to have things set up other things in the future, like the Disney Plus shows. Absolutely. um, And the connections to the other MCU stuff. Like, that shit was just tacked on here. And, like, you can definitely tell that's some of the worst it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And I think I could just compartmentalize it and be like, okay, whatever. It's not that distracting. But there's definitely stuff in here that's, like, you could just completely excise from the movie and you would totally have the same movie. I think we have to dive into spoilers here and talk about the details of that. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, turn the podcast off now. And rejoin us after you've seen it. Um, I think we got to talk about the details. So, Jeff, do you want to talk about the details of what you were just talking about? What are those plots that you think were, like, so clearly cut and pasted? There's one that's worse than the other. Yes. Agreed. I think Dominique Thorne as Riri is fine. But I don't think it was necessary to have her in She's this kind of a nothing. movie. She's kind of mm-hmm. a nothing, a MacGuffin. Right? Um, just so- underwritten, doesn't have much to do. Yeah, so... Overlaps with Shuri as... Yeah. Like, the tech genius, sort of. Like, it's, yeah. it's a very, like, the same archetype, almost. It's not as bad as it could have been. Like, at least they wrote her as part of the story, right? Like, she's the one who develops this machine that can find vibranium. Sure. I think you guys are right. Maybe we didn't need it. But at least it wasn't so obviously a setup for, like, future things. It kind of was, though. It was obviously set up for the Ironheart Most show. Most obvious is when she's like, uh, yeah, your suit, you can't keep it, right? You spent this mm-hmm. whole movie building up on this suit, and then you're like, uh, no, no, no. It's not that easy. Watch a Disney Plus show for her to get her real suit, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that scene was very, very abrupt, and I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Where I felt it was a little bit more slight in the earlier parts, where I thought it was handled a little bit better, it became very, very obvious by the end what they were doing. So, yeah, I agree. That was not handled well. I think uh, Riri's thing is just fine. Mm -hmm. She's just basically a glorified MacGuffin. So she's the one who develops this vibranium detecting technology that the U.S. government appropriates and starts trying to find vibranium that's not in Wakanda. So they find a pocket of vibranium in the ocean, and it doesn't belong to Wakanda. It belongs to Tala Khan. And it pisses off Namor and his underwater kingdom. And that's like the 
inciting incident for the movie. But, like, you could have just had any person invent this vibranium detecting machine just to have, like, yeah. someone who just so happens to get their own Disney Plus show uh, next year is just, like, it's clearly setting that up, right? But the one that really bothers me is Everett Ross and Absolutely. Julia Louis-Dreyfus's uh, Contessa character. Just fucking awful. They are so bad. They suck out all the momentum of this movie. Surprise, surprise, the two white people in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Strange Harbor Podcast canceled. <laughs> I just can't get behind Julia Louis-Dreyfus's Contessa character. I think she's just horribly miscast. She's boring, and she shows up in, like, every one of these just to kill the momentum in every single one. I just like seeing her as an actress, yeah, I but do I don't too. know what she was doing here. Same, same. It didn't ruin it for me, but it was just like, oh, this is kind of alright, like, what is the point of all this shit? Yeah. If it was, like, like it a, was a one-scene cameo, I think I would have been fine with it, but this back and forth between Everett Ross and her character become this 15-20 minute thing where we revisit them three or four times and it's like, I absolutely agree, it sucks the momentum out of the movie. It would have made sense if they were going to tie this into a plot with the CIA and Wakanda's international relations and stuff, which like the yeah. movie starts in that direction. And then they never do anything with it. And they never, Yeah, they never come back and around and like close that circle. And so it ends up being a dangling plot line, which... It didn't bother me while I was watching the movie because it was like, oh, okay, they're going to come back to this. And they just never did. They never made it make sense. There was never a reason yeah. for it. Um, in his last scene, I was like, wait, what? Like, why is this happening? And then it just ended. Yeah. Like, he's rescued by the Wakandans for no reason. And then it's just like, what? Yeah. I'm cool with fantasy. I can swallow blue people underwater, breathing their little devices and stuff, and sirens leading soldiers to death. I just can't buy the director of the CIA having a purple streak in her hair. Come on, now, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's how you know she's a villain. <laughs> <laughs> in what universe would that ever fucking happen? <laughs> That's <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> I think, Amir, you were starting to hit on something that I think plot-wise was really hard for me to wrap my head around. Not wrap my head around, but really, like, I think they were kind of working against each other. I was already kind of alluding to this. The beginning of this movie, like, starts to delve into this idea of what it means to be this nation with this power that isn't like sharing its resources. And then now we find another nation, right? Secret nation that has the very same resource. And like, what does it mean to, you know, close yourself off from the world? But then I think it doesn't meld with the very personal story or journey that Shuri is going through. This idea of like wanting revenge versus being the protector of Wakanda, like those don't seem to be working together. As well as I think Ryan Coogler maybe thought it would in this movie. I don't disagree. I think there's just some disconnect there. And again, I think that's just a byproduct of him having to reconfigure yeah. everything on the fly. And the way they end up coming together is okay. It's not terrible. And another thing I want to say is that I think there's a lot of rehashing of the first Black Panther. Absolutely. Of course, yeah. Tenoch Huerta's... Namor isn't exactly, like, the extremist that Killmonger is, but there's definitely this anti-colonial thread that's going through it, and it's just kind of like a rehash. They're kind of cut from the same cloth. It's very weak tea. It's not... Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, not really. Like, I think the problem with Namor is that, like, his character motivation doesn't make any fucking sense. And then, like, the Wakandan response to it also doesn't seem to make any sense. Like... How does this movie that starts out as being about, like, the U.S. imperialism trying to extract the resources of this underwater nation of, like, Mayan people turns into them attacking Wakanda? It just doesn't really make much sense. Mm -hmm. The character motivation just doesn't work for me, whereas, like, it in doesn't track. Black Panther 1, it totally works. Like, Eric Killmonger's fucking, like, logic and motivation are completely consistent. You get exactly where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, like, you don't have that, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the Nemoor is by far the inferior villain. And I think to both your points in, like, in the first movie when Killmonger says, you know, he's doing it for his people. He's talking about black people everywhere. Not not just, and like... And oppressed people all over the world, right? Yeah, like, yeah oppressed people all over the world. Like, and you feel that and you understand that. I think my problem with this movie is, like, when Nemoor is like, I want to protect my people, I'm like, 
I don't know your people. Like, and like, I praise the first Black Panther for really going into world building and like really establishing like Wakanda. I was not amazed with how he established Talokan in this movie. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it was like really unimpressive to me. And like, it seemed more bleak and sad than anything for me. You're supposed to be impressed with this world, but I just wasn't. I don't know enough about Telecon, like, as, exactly. a, in, as in a world building sense. And I don't usually, like, care about, like, these nitpicky things or lore or, like, the logic behind fantasy civilizations. Like, that doesn't usually bother me. But I walked out being like, okay, like, so are the Telecon, like, super advanced or are they super primitive? Or, like, somewhere in between? I don't know. They're underwater. Do they have, like, fire? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what does their civilization consist of? Because they went down there in the 1500s, right? So, have they kept pace with human technology? Are they way ahead because of their vibranium, like the Wakandans? Are they way behind because they came from the 1500s and they haven't needed to advance the technology and they presumably don't have fire underwater? Like, I don't understand their civilization, let alone know any of them as people, right? Yeah. Like, know any of, like, the actual side characters, right? Like, like you know Namor and then that's it. I guess one of them is Namora. Yeah. But, like, you, Namora, you don't know yeah. any of <laughs> You don't know any of the Talokan. You don't have any connection to them. So I'm half kidding, but also kind of not. This movie suffers incredibly when you put the fucking Avatar Way of Water trailer in front of it. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say that the underwater scenes look like dog shit, because I think they're okay. They're fine. when you put it after the way of water trailer it kind of looks bad <laughs> that's really funny i didn't make that comparison but way of water looks amazing it looks incredible i absolutely made that comparison too jeff because even just in the trailers for the way of the water like you look at the underwater civilization i'm like dude i want to be there that it looks, looks fucking cool. amazing it amazing. looks amazing and then when you're here you're just like god this looks so sad <laughs> like you know what i mean like i don't want to live in talokan no offense so i saw this in imax so I actually thought the Talokan stuff looked pretty good, but apparently there's a lot of, like, projection issues where, like, if they're not projecting it the right way, you can't see anything in the underwater scenes. Oh, I didn't have that issue. It seemed very dark in my theater. A bunch of people were, like, complaining about that when I thought it was fine, and I think, Amir, you thought it was fine, it looked okay. Maybe I'm lucky or I have good eyes or something, but all the shit people complain about not being able to see shit, I'm always <laughs> able to see it, so... <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. I just don't resonate with those complaints. Yeah, I just think they should have carried, like, the flashback stuff through as a thread more than, like, it actually did. Because I actually thought the flashback for Namor's origin was great. And then for that to carry over into War with Wakanda just didn't track for me. Like you It doesn't guys, make any right? sense, right? Like, the tie-in should be, like... A war you should against be the mad imperialists. At the right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You should be on the Wakandan side, but somehow this becomes a war between, like, and it just doesn't make any sense because now it's a war between two made up superpowered nations instead of a war between a superpowered nation who we're on the side of and the United States. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, it, there's no teeth to this because it doesn't even hint at the stuff that Black Panther once says outright. I wonder if it would have been too close to try to rehash those things, right? Because it, it would have ended up being, you know, the people of Wakanda not wanting to, like, take action against the rest of the world versus Talokan clearly wants to take action against the rest of the world, right? And it's very much the same of Tatala versus Killmonger in the very first movie, right? I guess it's what they're trying to do, but it just it doesn't make as much sense. It doesn't work as well at all. Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think he was purposely trying not to rehash those things, but it almost seems like it kind of needed to be that. It might have been a stronger story if it was that. Oh, uh, if they just did a one to one. If they kind of played of that, that out, like plot. we were saying. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's a hard line to draw because you don't want people to criticize you for like, well, you're doing the same thing. But then it seems like the same thing might have been a stronger story. Okay. I, I think we've been a little bit down on the movie. So, like, I do want to talk about some of the good things that I, mm-hmm. I really, really liked. I think... This is one of the best uses of the Marvel introduction. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Where like they bring up the, the, the Marvel logo. Studios. Yeah. yeah, and it's all Black Panther clips. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, it's all Black Panther clips and it was like it's all silent. So it was like Dude, this like my moment of theater silence. was dead silent. They exactly, were just watching yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Um it was pretty great. Twenty four silent clock moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, silent clock from twenty four. Damn, that's a throwback. Jeez. Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought that was really, really great. Like, that's a really touching tribute to, I mean, to the character, but then also to the actor. And I like 
some of the moments where they kind of like use like you know when Shuri's like flashing back thinking about her brother and we get extra snippets of Chadwick Boseman I think it works better in the beginning of the movie than it does at the end Mm -hmm. just using like the archival footage or whatever yeah segue from like the Marvel logo I really like that they had T'Challa's death off screen Mm -hmm. they didn't do some like ghoulish I don't know body stand in or something where he's like sick i think that would have been really tasteless yeah to have him like die off screen and like sure he's trying to scramble to like recreate the heart-shaped herb that was a great cold open to that i really yeah. did like that it was really good you could feel the urgency there yeah but someone said like uh it seems like t'challa's only contribution to the marvel universe is like dying a bunch of times Oh, because <laughs> this is like the third time he's died uh, but this time for real right because yeah he died in his movie and then the snap, and then now, obviously, with Chadwick Boseman's passing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I do like that it's really frantic at the beginning, and, like, you know, she's trying to save her brother. The queen walks in and just says, he's gone. Like, there is mm-hmm. no catharsis in that scene, and, like, it's not about the death. It's very generic. Oh, he died from an illness. Like, there's no specificity to it, and I really like mm-hmm. that. And, like, we just kind of... So I think also partially kind of in respect to like Chaswick not to like focus on what actually killed him. It's more the pain that these characters feel and like how to move on from that death, right? Yeah, I mean, the centerpiece of the movie is being about grief and loss and how we move mm-hmm. on from those things. And uh, I mean, there's a secondary thread there of like legacy and living up to family legacy and, you know, Sheree's plotline not giving in to anger and being able to break away from like some of those negative patterns that you've gotten into because of your grief and i do think all that stuff works well Mm -hmm. i actually wasn't initially sure that it was going to be shuri in the black panther suit i thought maybe they'd give it to nakia uh, i thought so maybe 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 but it works way better here to have it be shuri and have this Mm -hmm. whole movie be about her losing her brother and then losing her mother and then obviously already lost her father and having to bear the weight of this legacy of someone who's passed before you. It works better as an arc, I think, for it to be Shuri. So I'm glad they did it that way. And it gives the movie a whole kind of thematic resonance that works really well. And I will say that Tanoj Huerta's Namor, his performance, does pave over a lot of the issues that we talked about with the logic not really making sense. Because I think he does do a good job. He's um, good in this. He's good in this. Better than I feared, actually, because when I saw the initial trailers, I wasn't impressed with what I was seeing. Yeah. I wasn't so sure about the aesthetic, or the and the, I didn't know the actor, and yeah. uh, it was just very different from what they do in the comics, and I was yeah. like, oh boy, but I think he does a good job here as like a god king to his people. It's pretty cool. I actually love what they did to like reconfigure Atlantis into like Talakan. That mm-hmm. shit is cool as hell. And I know the underwater kingdom and stuff kind of falls flat for us but there is a bunch of like production design and like costume design that i loved in this um like his warriors are fucking awesome yeah 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 costumes are great again yeah the costumes are great with the headdresses and everything um the little water breathing masks yeah the water breathing masks are a really cool little touch yeah and then like the siren songs that like lure the soldiers into the water and stuff to that's kill them. probably the best like action scene in the movie is that dude is that it's attacking cool that that u.s navy ship or whatever it is yeah yeah um that's probably the best scene in the movie the sirens are an awesome like literalization of, a, of an ancient myth like that's really cool it's funny derek that you mentioned that you thought shang chi had better fights which i kind of agree with but this one had some good ones in it too yeah oh, wait 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 no no hold on let jeff defend that what are the fucking okay. good fights in this movie okay <laughs> the bridge fight is great outside of MIT or Boston or whatever the fuck they are, where Namor's heavies attack Okoye and uh, and Riri. I thought mm-hmm. that was great. Like, I was actually kind of scared for her. I thought they were, like, going to kill her or something, you Cut know? Her off. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Because they're quite formidable, and then, like, all the stuff with the spear is great. And I really like the final fight in the movie. I don't want to get to that just yet. I do like that final fight. The bridge fight did impress me. I think... Honestly, for me, the standout fight is probably that scene of the Talokan attacking that naval ship. Yeah. It's probably that for me. I think in this one, in contrast to Black Panther 1, the, the final duel is better than the um, than the secondary fight between the opposing forces. I think the, the opposing forces fight here is a little weak. Oh, I'm sorry. So you're saying the final fight between Shuri and Namor is better than the one on the ship, the people on the ship. Yes, it's better than the people on the ship, and it's also better than Black Panther 1's duel between 
T'Challa and uh, Killmonger. I think it's better than the train fight, but I actually will disagree. I actually like the stuff on the ship more than, oh, than the, the duel. stuff on the, on the beach. Yeah, Really? Oh. Because I like the idea of them fighting on the side. Oh, I guess Jeff didn't want to get into it, but we're getting into it. Um, you know, like hanging off the side of the ship. I thought that was really cool. Like some of the stuff in the air was kind of cool. And I will say, I do like the first like invasion of the Telecon onto Wakanda. I like some of the stuff in that fight, especially how they showcase Namor and his like winged feet. I actually really like that. I was like, there's no way this shit isn't going to be goofy as fuck. And it was actually yeah. pretty badass. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I have to admit, that was pretty cool. M'Baku got some good moments there, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just defend what I said earlier, but, like, I think the Shang-Chi stuff is, like, still better because I think it's just, it felt more practical in moments and, like... It's more kinetic. The more kinetic and, like, more practical. And, like, I like that stuff. Like, I gravitate more to that versus just some of the CG. You know, Namor flying in the air is really cool, but it's the CG guy flying in the air. Yeah, so. yeah. Now, I wasn't trying to say, like, the action's bad. I just like the action more, Shang-Chi. I don't think the action's that good. I'll, I'll say that. I, I don't okay. think it's as good as Black Panther 1. Mm-hmm. To me, like, there's nothing like those two duels. Yeah. Like, there's nothing as good yeah. as those two duels in this movie. Yeah. But I also think this has some of the better action in Phase 4. Yeah, compared to most of the other, yeah. Most of the I other would say Phase Black Widow and Shang-Chi are up there. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. I think, better than the other stuff. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange. They're kind of different beasts, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And I like Namor's straddling the line between, like, nobility and, like, super threatening and menacing. I really did think he struck a good balance with that. Uh, Tenoch Huerta, I think he did a good job with that. I didn't think they were going to kill Queen Ramonda. That's crazy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And- so yeah, that's one of the big kind of like spoilers of this movie, right? Is yeah. like Nate Moore's initial attack on Wakanda results in the death of Queen Ramonda, right? And he's like, take your time, bury your queen. I was like, oh shit, that's yeah. fucking... Yeah. He goes hard on his fucking uh, threats, I guess. It's a really touching moment because she she basically sacrifices her life to, like, save uh, Riri Williams, Riri. right? yeah. It's really hard when you don't want to use, like, a CG version of Chadwick Boseman. And then I feel like he was trying to almost replace that presence of chadwick boseman with ramonda right like her being the one that kind of comes to her in the ancestral plane at the end and like her being her guiding light throughout this movie as much as her brother i think and i don't know if that completely works for me yeah just because they didn't want to use the likeness of chadwick boseman for any like new scenes that wasn't like archival footage right yeah so if you guys want to get into it i have some things to say about that because I want to talk about the fucking cameo in this movie. Yes, the big cameo. This is probably the best cameo in the MCU. (laughs) It's so fucking good. It rules, dude. It surprises you, and it makes perfect sense with what they're trying to do. Yeah. I did not see it coming. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw it coming. The people in my theater, like, jaws dropping. They were like Mm -hmm. audible gasps in the theater. So, I mean, just to give a little context. So Shuri redevelops the heart-shaped herb. And uh, when she takes it, she goes to the ancestral plane. And this is after her mother dies. So she goes to the ancestral plane and she expects to either find her or her brother there. But it's fucking Killmonger. So Michael B. Jordan returns as Killmonger. And that cameo is fucking great. I loved it. And I think if you had Queen Ramonda show up in the ancestral plane, you would have been like, I think it would make more sense for T'Challa to be there. So this is a great way to step around um, Mm -hmm. what you were saying, Derek, and just have it be like this big surprise with Killmonger. And to have it tie into the rage underneath her grief really, really worked for me. I thought that was really effective. I think it even works well when you think about the original Black Panther like when Tatala retakes the the heart-shaped herb in that movie, he like sees his dad, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, he's angry at his dad for like abandoning, you know, Killmonger, you know, having to kill his own brother just to, to keep his nation secret and in the shadows. And I think thinking about that movie, like he really needed that for his own closure. And I think... The same is here. Like, I think, you know, the idea is that Shuri needs to see Killmonger, right? Like, it's part of her journey rather than, like, the easy step of, like, seeing her mother, like, being this encouraging person. Like, 
this is more of like that hard truth, right? She needs to see this person that at the moment she's more in line with. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think it's in the moment. I think it's that she doesn't see her brother or her mother because mm-hmm. that's not her headspace. It's almost like yeah. she can't. Yeah. It's like yeah. she's not, not that she's not worthy, but yeah, she's not in that place where those would be the avatars that she would need, which is so cool. It's so, so what cool. you got to do. Just be yeah. like your uncle, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. weird that you go to the ancestral plane and you get the devil on your shoulder and not the angel. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. what happens here. And it's really cool. Yeah. I thought it was excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And it carries over into like the rest of the movie because the costume she chooses isn't like T'Challa's black and silver. It's Killmonger's black and gold, right? That's right. Um, yeah. It's got like the colors there. And then she also changed her hair. She changed like her hair to like the cornrows that like kind of Killmonger, Killmonger works, yeah. had. Yeah. So aesthetically it's closer to Killmonger too. Really good points. I actually didn't notice that stuff. That's really good points. I liked that they played up um Shuri's mean streak a little bit. Just having like that darkness within her that obviously T'Challa never had. And I don't know, do you think that she should have followed through that thread in the end, or you think that would have like destroyed the character? <laughs> Nah, I don't think. No, you can do yeah, that. I think you I think, I think you have to have her yeah. walk that back and yeah, because if she's going to be the Black Panther and be the face of this franchise, she needs to be. <laughs> she can't be a murderer. Very, <laughs> yeah. right, she has to be a very straightforward hero in a yeah, like family friendly way, right? Yeah, like, and then what makes her different than like Namor once in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. To use violence versus composure and peace and like, so I, I think you can't have her do that. Part of the problem with that is that. Because the Talokan plotline doesn't really make any sense, the Shuri revenge plotline is kind of muddled too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that dark streak that you're talking about, it's there, but it doesn't fully all line up. Mm. Yeah, I think like what really doesn't work for me is that it's so interior with the Shuri character. It's so much about wanting revenge for herself. The Black Panther is supposed to be like a protector of Wakanda. A like ruler. Where's the, the geopolitical people. aspect of it, right? Yeah, like the protector and like the representative of Wakanda. And like it really gets lost at the end of the fight where it seems way too personal. Even the resolution, it's not about like representing Wakanda. It's more like I shouldn't do this because that's not what my brother or my mother would want, right? And like coming to that realization versus like, oh, this isn't what Wakanda would do. Does that make sense? I don't. I don't know if that makes sense. I think so. Is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? No, not in particular. I guess I will say to its credit, as a very long movie, this is like two hours forty minutes. I didn't really feel the length as much as I thought it was going to. I didn't either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they somehow managed to keep it moving along a good clip, which is a pretty impressive feat. Yeah, I like long movies. I watched this with my fiance, and the first question I asked her was like, oh, what would you think? She was like, it was kind of long. So uh, I think she was definitely feeling it. Also, I feel like there's a lot of writing in this that's very smart, that isn't very pandering, and doesn't like to like give you buttoned-up resolutions to things. I think the big example of that is the relationship between Okoye and the Queen, mm. where... You know, they have like this huge falling out after Shuri is absconded to Tala Khan or whatever, you know, and Queen Ramonda like strips her of her rank and she all but blames T'Challa's death on Okoye. And there's no resolution to that. Like there's no like forgiveness or anything because the queen dies like soon afterwards. And then Okoye is just <laughs> like, uh, fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. She never gets any resolution to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like that. I do too. It's really cool. I guess talking about Okoye, what didn't work for me is definitely that Midnight Angels outfit. Yeah, I thought it doesn't that look thing that cool. Looks really no, bad. it's just a, it's a, it's like a comics reference that just didn't work. Yeah, I, think. I agree. Yeah, it did it not work. It doesn't yeah. do much for me. Yeah, and like <laughs> Disney again, not having the best gay representation. Yeah, with Michaela Cole's character. Yeah, I expected more from that. I don't know why. I guess I'm an idiot, but I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I read something about it from the comics or something. But I was like, oh, like they're gonna play this up or do something with it. And of course, they do absolutely nothing. That's in the U.S. Yeah. version, so I can only imagine in countries where they're not like pro gay rights. It's just gonna well, be it's snipped out. So it, easy to cut out. That's exactly. why it's that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not at all integral to the movie. Hey, but you know, like, if you get queer baited by Disney stuff, you're a fucking moron, right? It's your fault. (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It's your fault. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. yeah. I was disappointed by, like, how underutilized Michaela Cole is because I think she's yeah. fantastic in stuff like I May Destroy You. I was and just stuff. about to say, I May Destroy You, right? It's so, like, this yeah. is, like, the most underused person ever. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Like this, she gets like, a couple bits and then that's it. Yeah, she's practically an extra. When it's like, oh, this is someone who wrote and starred in like one of the most acclaimed TV shows of the past, like, yeah, I don't know, a couple of years. Also, kind of what's a little sad to me because of it. I think Florence Kasumba's character is like kind of shafted because of it, right? Like it's almost like in place of that character. She was kind of like that second in command in the yeah, first movie. Yeah, yeah. She was like the Dora Milaje representative in like Falcon the Winter Soldier. And I think what happens in this movie is she becomes the new general, correct? Am I yeah. wrong? So Michaela Cole's Anika is supposed to be in a relationship with her, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's all very undercooked. Yeah, it's all undercooked, Very but much. also, like, I feel like we didn't get much of, like, the AO character in this because of that, right? Like, any lines that could have been hers, like, I felt like went to Michaela Cole's character or, like, any, maybe any plots went to her character, you know what I mean? Like, it was just all, like, you're just kind of replacing one for the other. I don't know about directly, I, you know, but I mean, I guess, yeah, not, I, but, yeah. I, but I think you're right that there's only so much space for characters and side plots in an already two-hour, 40-minute movie. Yeah. And I guess we all would have been better served if they cut out, like... Riri Williams and uh, Martin Freeman's CIA character. Yeah, 100%. Develop some of the Wakandans or, or some of the Tawakana, especially more. Like, if any movie deserved that, it was this one, right? Mm-hmm. But I will say that I kind of like that almost everyone else got a chance in the spotlight. I thought Nakia had more to do in this movie than in the first one. Uh, yeah. M'Baku, not really, but he had some nah. great lines in this, too. And I will say, I like the choice that, I mean, he essentially becomes king of Wakanda. By then, this movie, right? Is that the implication there that, like... I think so, because he says he challenges for the throne, and then... Right, and then uh, Shuri's not there to... There, and, like, no one's there to defend her title, right. Like, I like the choice that then it becomes even more of an ensemble, like, this world, right? Like, or what the Wakanda, like, name, I guess, right? Versus Chadwick Boseman was Black Panther. He was also the king. Like, he represented Wakanda, but now, you know, you have Shuri, who's the Black Panther, but then you have Winston Duke's... Mbaku essentially as the king. I like kind of spreading out the wealth a little bit amongst the characters here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will say one thing that this movie is missing, and I don't know if it's missing, it is a very female centric movie, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I'm trying to say that's a bad thing. Don't jump down my throat, but. It's missing men. We need more men in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that's God. What yeah, I feel like a fucking. Like, <laughs> I don't know, fucking Gamer Gator or some shit. But like... Why are there so many women? There were a lot of... Oh my god, alright, fuck you, whatever. Just cut this whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) But not wanting to come off as one of those guys, but M'Baku's in this for a little bit. But I did miss all the characters from the first one. I guess because they're all dead. But like, you know, like, I liked Killmonger, who's dead. Obviously T'Challa, who's dead. Uh, Mm. Zuri. Forrest Whitaker's character. Forrest Whitaker's character. Dead. Um, like, just, like, everybody's dead. And I guess it is a movie about dealing with grief, but it's like, wow, like, the cast is really, really light. Yeah. Yeah. On, like, continuity. <laughs> yeah, it's just, the slate is just, like, wiped clean. Daniel Kaluuya didn't come back either. Yeah, you know? exactly. There's another one. Not a complete turnover in the cast, but. To, to speak to that, it's not like we're trying to replace, like, males with males, but, like, I think your point is that there's a lot of great characters from the first one that I think we either one invested in or, like, we thought was really strong for that movie but like i don't know if they necessarily replaced them with anyone here right except for maybe namor there isn't like any characters i really care about like any of the new characters at the ad that i really care about um Mm. and i think that's maybe like a flaw of this movie actually the last thing i think probably we should talk about before we end this episode is um the mid-credits right um, what'd you guys think of it? Another nice surprise. Um, I didn't see it coming. It, it recontextualizes, um, like, uh, Nikia's choice to go to Haiti so much. It, like, makes sense of it, right? Because you're wondering what the fuck is up with Haiti this whole goddamn time. I mean, Haiti's mm-hmm. great and everything, but it's just like, does this character have a pre-existing connection to Haiti? Did I miss something? And like, yeah. oh, okay, this makes sense now. So, 
I do like that they introduced Toussaint, the Black Panther's uh, son with Nakia. I guess they conceived Toussaint before he passed away. Yeah. Before he was blipped, or I don't really know when it, I guess it must have happened before the blip or something. It had to have happened before the blip, yes. Or something. I don't know. It was actually pretty cute and moving. I really liked it. It is. Yeah. I did really like it, and I don't know. No, I and I agree. I like. I liked the scene. I liked it. My only thing is that I think it should have just been in the movie. I think I've talked about it earlier i think like her sitting there at the fire just again just remembering her brother through like archival footage didn't seem to work for me the second time and i think like having this introduction of this small little part at the end could have been like her way of moving forward and it it felt like that when i was watching the mid credits was like she can partially find closure in knowing that her brother lives on i guess through his child part of me agrees with you and then part of me is like these mid credit scenes are like part of the movie now we treat them as such now anyways yeah yeah yeah. i think it's the perfect like like, I, i think the fact that you want it to be part of the movie means that it was a really successful mid credit scene. Like, it's something that was so yes. good. Yeah, that, I right? did like it. As opposed to something where you're like, oh, this was negative or, like, added nothing or was pointless or was offensive. Yeah. Like, this is an actual good one. Like, good. They should keep doing that. Keep doing good ones. Yeah. yeah. I liked it a lot. You know, Nakia's like, oh, tell her your name. And he's like, oh, I'm T'Challa, son of T'Challa, which I really liked. Yeah, it was really cute. That was pretty cool. And a lot of people are, like, saying, oh, his name Tassan is, like, really on the nose especially for Haiti or whatever. Whatever. Marvel's never one to be like, oh, subtle with their cultural references, right? So it's fucking fine. Yeah. And uh, last thing I'll say is I'm glad they didn't have a post credit scene, right? I mean, if you're going to have that as your mid credit, then like just have that, right? Because it, it is pretty powerful and don't take away from that. So I am glad that they didn't try to like hammer on another like, oh, here's fucking kang or something you, you know missed I mean? it though you missed it they did have one fucking harry styles returned with <laughs> club shitto the leprechaun you know? like... <laughs> oh god jeez, no does so he spit bad. on club shitto no <laughs> i guess if there's nothing else to say i think that will conclude this week's episode Jeff, where can people find more of your work you can find more of my work at strangeharbors.com or reviewed black panther wakanda forever and you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? You can find me swimming around the ocean trying to find Talacon. What <laughs> about you, Derek? <laughs> you can find me at The World's Okayest Photos and Screen Asians Guild on Instagram. Uh, but if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, if any of you questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like reading emails, and sometimes we read them out on the pod. So feel free to do that, and we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.